Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, the believe is the big word there, Nat, isn't it? Because do I really believe that even if I work my butt off, even if I put in 12, 14 hours days, do I really believe that that will get me to my dreams? Because I think if people really, truly believed it, they would do the work. But the problem is they don't believe it. Hey, everyone. Natalie Dronovac here, and welcome to another episode of The Modern Women a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. And in this episode, I get to sit down with my friend, Jennifer Schultz, a humble farm girl who has successfully created a multi-million dollar business in an industry swamped with stereotypes, misconceptions, and often bad behavior. Sounds like a few too many industries, doesn't it? Jen has achieved her success through network marketing and is now using her platform to redefine the industry and breaking down the barriers to success one woman at a time. She's a woman who has a big heart, deep self-determination, and an ability to continue to evolve and shape her outlook on life, money, and career. I just know you're going to love this earnest and honest conversation. Jen, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Nat. We're going to start with a quick rapid fire. What would be one word your friends would use to describe you? Generous. What is a country you haven't visited but would love to? A gazillion, but I think India. What's the one book that's had the greatest impact on you? The Courage to be Disliked. What's your favorite combo of wine and cheese? A rosé or a good Shiraz and a really nice blue and a super tasty cheddar. And for you, what's your favorite animal? I think I have to say horse. I feel like that was the most challenging question I have for you this whole interview. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and lastly, who's a female role model for you and why? Uh, I think I want to say Brene Brown just for her, for all the work she's done on opening the conversation around courage and vul- vulnerability and women, giving women permission to own their imperfections. Amazing. Super cool. I do. I also love her. And for anyone who hasn't listened, they should really check out her TED Talk. So you are remarkably successful, but a lot of people wouldn't know who you are. So could you share a little bit about your upbringing, maybe a bit where you grew up and your family dynamics so we can get a bit of a feel for you? Oh, yeah. So I grew up in a little country. Well, not even. I grew up on a property, uh, which is which was about a 30-minute drive from a little country town. And there was a Aboriginal, high Aboriginal population in that country town. So in my school class, there was kind of like half Aboriginals. And so I got a really good 
I guess, experience and understanding of of that sort of culture and of farm life. And yeah, I just really went, went I followed the vet around all my school holidays and because I was always going to be a vet because hardest question, which is, which is your favorite animal? Uh, don't know, all of them. But yeah, then I remember getting right to the end of school and getting a really good grade, like in the top 1%. So I could choose anything. So suddenly when you can choose anything, it's kind of like, oh, wow, what do I really want? Because there are no limits now. And yeah, I had spent a a couple of weeks with the vet, you know, helping with C-sections and stuff like that. And then the, I can still remember this one, we went to this one farm and this cow had cancer in her eye. And this this is a bit like horrific, but he had to cut the whole eye out. And I just was, I, you know, the cow, they don't, like she wasn't asleep. It's not how they do it. And yeah, it was just so horrific that I changed my mind and decided to become a physiotherapist. I actually find that most people who love animals, they say, I'm going to be a vet. And then they see what they have to do with the animal. And then they're like, I can't ever do that. I just will continue to love them yeah, forevermore. That's exactly what happened. So I knew I wanted to help. And I wanted, I didn't want to be a doctor because that seemed like a never ending ladder of study where you never kind of made it anywhere and basically giving your whole life to your work. And so physio seemed like a compromise where I could have a job, help people and still have a life, I guess. Amazing. Yeah. And so were your parents positive influences on shaping who you were? They were, I'm, I'm so different to my mum and dad. I always, I often say like, I don't know how my mum and I like chalk and cheese and we just have just different views of the world. And, but my dad has a really, he always had a, he always worked really hard. And I think I learned my work ethic from my dad and he also, he taught me things like you've got to make hay while the sun shines. So when the work's there, you do the work, right? You don't wait for tomorrow if you could do it today. So he taught me some really good lessons like that, which have just been an incredible blessing in my career, in my businesses, in, you know, in life in general. So, but then again, my, and my dad, my, my husband would say my dad and I have some things in common, like we're not very patient and stuff like that. But, you know, I look at my dad and I think, oh, there's, there's parts that I hope I'm not too much like him. So, um, but yeah, so they taught me some really good lessons. They didn't ever have big dreams. They still don't have big dreams. Um, so yeah, something else happened along the way because I definitely live in a, just in a very, I think, I do, I think very differently to how they think and so would you say that you more were guided by their mistakes and that you were like, look, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, another one of the beautiful blessings they gave me was the courage to have a go. And so I saw the great, I, the great Aussie dream. Yeah. I saw them just, you know, have a go. My dad was a police officer and uh, he wanted to be a farmer. So he, he had a go at farming and that didn't work out because you know, interest rates went to 21% and there was a big droughts and, you know, they basically went broke farming. And then ever since then, then we had to go and live in town. And obviously during, we had the best childhood on the farm, but no money. 
So we had, you know, we never knew what chocolate was or chips were. We always had home-baked sweet stuff, like nothing bought because mum and dad just couldn't afford it. And so when we had to go live in town, I remember promising myself that one day I would get daddy's farm back and it would be a situation where he could sit on the veranda and he could have a beer and watch his cows and not have to worry about money because money worry was such a big a big thing. So I think, you know, looking back and reflecting, I probably also decided that I didn't want to have money worries for my whole entire life. It's funny because I always think it's the same thing. Like growing up with a single mom, I'd see money worries and I was like, I don't want that. I don't want that. What can I do to make sure that never happens? And would you say that you have definitely achieved that and you have actually gotten the farm and all the rest of it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I just, it is just the most incredible space to live without money worries. And I don't, I everyone deserves to be. I don't know if everyone deserves to be in that space, but everyone, I just wish everyone could have a taste of it and then decide if the work was worth always living in that space of not having to worry about money and because it just gives us so much choice and so much freedom and yeah, it's, it's, a, be- it's a beautiful thing not to have money or lack of make, being part of every single decision that we make that I think is so true. And I think so many people will be like, yes, how can I get there? So I do want to touch on money. I think it's a really important topic, especially for women. But because I really believe that personal development is something that gets you there. And that is something that you have done to the 10th degree time and time again. Could you share a little bit about why it's so important to you in a personal and professional capacity? As in personal development? Yeah. And what you've done for yourself to grow into that person who has achieved what you've achieved. Yeah. So again, I think I'm quite, I have quite a logical brain. So the way I think is very logical. And so when I decided to be a physiotherapist, I knew I had to go to university for four years. And I knew when I started that I didn't have, I didn't even know what the arm bone was called. And I, knew, I know when I finished that I could manipulate someone's neck and take away their headaches. So obviously we can learn skills and we can do, do whatever we want to do. And believing that, then when you believe that, you can apply that to anything. So I guess I have a love of learning, but it's in the knowledge that it's taking me somewhere. And I become a different person with different skills and it makes me more able to help more people when I have, have those skills. So personal development, so, so university, I guess, was my first taste of that. And then as a physiotherapist, to stay registered every year, you have to do a certain number of personal development hours. So that kind of just became a, well, of course, you do. And then moving into when I wanted to then, then I was like, I was, had my own physio practice and it was, go- it was going really well. I, I, I got it to go from startup to a million dollars a year turnover within three years, which is pretty cool when I was, I don't know, 24 or something. And, but I, I was adding up, you know, what I was saving each year and going, I'm never going to get this farm because I know, I, I know, I knew I needed a million dollars for this farm. How am I going to get it? Like that, some people must know something I don't know because I would drive you know, down the Gold Coast and you see all those massive big mansions and I don't want one of those big mansions, but I, 
I'm like, they cost millions. So someone knows how to do this. I'm going to have to find out. So I started doing all sorts of courses about how to make money and how to think differently about money. And I realized that the difference between my bank account and Richard Branson's bank account is really just that we think differently. Because I think so many women will be like, oh, well, how do I think differently? I want to make more money. I'm just going to listen to this gen woman and I'm going to think differently. Could you expand a little more? Oh, yeah. It's so frustrating and it used to frustrate the heck out of me because I would hear that and I would be like, like, what what do they mean? Because you can't look forward into think differently, but you can look back and see how you used to think differently. It, and it's just impossible to, to, to forward vision that and think how you can think differently because you just can't. Do you have any examples where you're like, oh, my God, I can't even believe I used to think that oh, thought? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially some stuff. I'll, some, I'll share some stuff maybe around money that's pretty obvious um, and might be helpful. So I used to think that the more I had, the less someone else would have. And that really stopped me from having more because I – believed that and I just kind of I guess I believed in a zero-sum game where yeah and I that didn't seem fair and I didn't want to take away from someone else and when I figured out that there's so much there's actually so much money in the world that you know I think it's something like I don't even know the numbers now I think I learned this maybe 10 or 15 years ago but if every man woman and child in the world if all the money was distributed evenly between every man woman and child everyone would have $3 million in their bank account. I was like, wow, well, I'm nowhere near $3 million. And so, yeah, I realized there is enough to go around. And I had to stop thinking like that. And I realized that by only earning enough money to look after me, then I was actually being really selfish. I wasn't being greedy by wanting to earn more than enough to look after me because it's only when I earn more than I need that I can help others. So that flick, that was like a switch flicking in my head big time. And I realized I need to make so much money that when someone says, Jen, we need a hand, I can say here and write out a check or do a bank transfer. And that's a pretty cool space to be in. But previous to that, I was so worried about being greedy that I was actually being selfish by only ever doing enough, only ever thinking outside the box enough just to take care of my immediate needs or my immediate family's needs. Yeah. And that's actually really great because I wanted to go into some of the biggest hindrances for women who do want to become breadwinners like yourself, who do want to provide for their family. And so what for you comes up around what sometimes stops women, whether it be gender roles, maybe even the salary gaps or yeah. what do you see as hindrances? Well, I think there's um, subjective things that stop women, like the way we think about stuff and there's you know there's actually real tangible things so there is you know a gender pay gap in women do get paid less than men it's go do some research do some google and you can find plenty of evidence to support that and women we know won't ask for things that men will ask for so we tend to ask for less we tend to not ask for a promotion we tend to not put ourselves forward for a certain project, we, send, we tend to sit back and wait. There's a great book by Sheryl Sandberg called Lean In that talks about all of that sort of stuff. Um, 
we know, you know, if we need to take time off to have babies, it's usually the mum that stays home. And if it's not, we have all the guilt around that because, I mean, society in terms of women having freedom to do more and participate more in the workforce, we've come ahead in light years, absolutely. That, But there still is an expectation and a feeling that it should be the woman that stays home and takes the time out of the workforce. And so then you, you know, three, five, seven years behind that ladder climb if you're in the corporate world. But then there's also, when I talk about the subjective things, there's this, uh, so many women, when you, if you really talk to them and start asking questions, they actually just don't feel worthy. They don't feel that they are worthy of magnificent, glorious dreams. Why do you think that is? I don't know if they've had it pummeled out of them, if they've been, you know, um, just told over and over, what, who are you to think you should have that? Why do you need, why do you have to want more than you need? You know, there's needs and there's wants. You really only need needs. Wants are superfluous, you know. Um, you don't want to be one of those people. There's all this, you know, if you think about all the movies that we watch, all the, the big paying block, blockbusters, always, in every single one, think about the Titanic. Think I'll use the Titanic as an example, but you can think about them all. The rich people are the pompous assholes. And, you know, who slapped the little kid on the, ri- on the knuckles because he uses the wrong oyster fork or something. And the, the, the poor people are the ones who are having fun and they're the ones who are sacrificing themselves and they're, they're kind and they're compassionate and generous, even though they have nothing. They give away everything that they have. And that's how – that's the story that we buy into, like – Batman, like just think about all the blockbuster movies. That is how the characters, that's the, how. It, the damsel in distress. Yeah, it's never the rich people that are generous and beautiful and kind hearted. It's always, they're always being the assholes. And so we have that painted so vividly in our brains right from when we're tiny that I think we do. We have this underlying belief that we don't want to be an asshole and money might make us like that. But did you ever worry about that as you started to make more and more money? Was that something that ever came to you or did you did you naturally progress into a higher income? I yeah, look, it just it just enabled me to give more. So it was easy. What would you say you're a person who believes in the quote then um, money just amplifies who you already are? Yeah, absolutely. Because I see Well, you just have to look at how people choose to spend their money, right? So if someone is really insecure about who they are, they're going to go and spend their money on outward appearances, whether that's a fancy car or, you know, getting stuff done to their face or whatever. It's that all of that is just to elevate their self-esteem. So would you say that people who like nice things are insecure, all of them? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all. It's when people are spending money that they don't really So when you when you see when you start to earn more money, it's easy to still stay in the pattern of spending it all. So when you see people going and spending money that they 
to make sure that they still don't have it. So there's the bank balance, the actual asset balance isn't going up every year and you see what they're spending it on. So, so let's say one person might go and spend money on buying investment properties. So that's a very different decision than someone who's spending money buying the latest $300,000 car and, uh, you know, has to have the Louis Vuitton everything and you, you know what I'm saying? Because one, one will return, one is an asset that will have a return on investment, the other is pure expenditure. And there start, we often start to see a pattern in our spending which tells us a lot about who we are, w- what we value for sure, but also women tend to not be as well educated around numbers and we also sell ourselves stories that we don't understand the numbers. How I, say, I hear so many women say, oh, I don't understand the, I don't understand the numbers or I'm not a numbers girl. Like, what do you mean? Like, we all went to school and learned math and we just decide that we need to understand the numbers and we go over it again and again until we do. Yeah, so it's such a complicated question, isn't it? And I don't, I just, I don't want to be judgy about how people spend their money because that's completely up to them. But what I, I guess I'm trying to say is that there's a space where the only way we can feel our self-esteem is acting in alignment with our values. And until we do that, we'll always be doing things to seek approval from others. I, I really think that money is such a hot button topic for people. And I think that as people, what I've learned is that there's a difference between I need to buy things because I need to prove to you that I'm worthy versus oh, I, le- I want to buy this because I believe it's a better quality and the choices of how I, how I used to spend money versus how I spend money now. Um, but the other aspect of money that I wanted to talk about with you is your home dynamic and your family situation. I know we were touching on it a bit before that I think for you, your gender roles at home are a little bit different to how most people operate. Could you share a bit more on that? Yeah, so in our business, well, if we go back a little bit, you know, I was a physiotherapist. Jono, my husband, was a personal trainer. And then as our business started to grow uh, and our business is in a different type of – it's a different type of business in a different industry, we, we ne- I needed to become more available to the business and Jono just slipped so beautifully into a support role. He's really good at that. It's where he, he gets – he finds joy in – being a supporter and not just in supporting me in supporting anyone he's he's just he's so good at it and so he naturally slipped into that and so I do more of the business stuff for sure in fact most of it but Jono I couldn't do any of that if he wasn't taking care of things on the home front and if he wasn't looking after the kids or getting the kids to bed when I'm doing a you know an interview or whatever like that so in terms of, and I, this is anyone's situation, right? If two parents want to work, the kids, young kids, are in daycare, or you have to pay someone to take care of them if they're not school age yet. Once they get to school age, it's a bit easier. Or one parent has to not work so much to spend that time with the kids. Do a lot of your friends see that as a really interesting and challenging dynamic, or does anyone question it? 
I think maybe in the early days it, it worried Jono that people how he would be, appear to others. Yeah, that people would you know because he I guess felt like the man should be the breadwinner and there was that pressure and maybe he got a little bit of a snide comment here and there from you know like my dad or his dad or something like that. But he's really learned through some great mentors that often it takes a stronger man to be the one who will stay home and say, I'm happy to be the supporter and not feel like he has to out-earn his wife or whatever. We don't even look at it as who earns what. It's just our business and there's certain roles that need to be fulfilled in that business and for the business to, to work that it means the kids have to be our kids have to be taken care of. That's just one of the roles. Do you ever have um, friends or anyone who also comments on the fact of like, well, you're not at home raising your kids as much, or like, do you ever have the flip side of that? Because we all know that if the men are the supporters and they're busy and they're working, that's okay. Yeah. But the moment the mother's not home, there's a lot of judgment placed on women. It's so it's such. I haven't really had been subject to that, but I have a girlfriend who's in in the same sort of business as me and she was a nurse and she and I talk about this often and she she always says when she was a nurse and she missed her kids birthday parties and she missed her kids first things at school she and because she was rostered on and and the kids were sick and she still went to work she was a hero and now she has a business where she has a lot more flexibility and she earns 10 times as much but if she goes, say she has to she has to go for two weeks on a work trip, she's being uncaring and a bad mother. And it's just interesting that people can, for a job, have look at things one way, and then for a business, look at things in a different way. Yeah, yeah it's it's like a story we keep telling ourselves and perpetuating society. Mm. And so you and I initially did meet through network marketing. This is the elusive business we keep referring to. And you have become remarkably successful as a result of it. But before we dive into some of the more topical criticisms, stereotypes and issues that you might face, I'd really like to hear a bit more about taking that leap of from being a physio and then jumping full time into this new business of yours. Yeah, well, look. It's pretty simple. I do have a passion for helping people and that gets me excited and nothing makes me feel better than seeing someone improve their life in some way and knowing that I had a little bit to little tiny part to play. That's what buzzes me up. So that's why I loved being a physio and I just had a great product experience and couldn't help but think, oh my gosh, I didn't know a I could feel this good. What if all my friends don't know how good they can feel? I have to help them. I have to show them. And so it really went, it really started there. And I guess that all I knew about network marketing was that it's kind of done by those people who annoy their friends and try and push their friends to buy stuff that they don't want to buy. So don't you think that people listening to this conversation now will be like, well, that's what you did. You went and annoyed your friends to (laughs) try your product. Yeah, well, absolutely. But I think because I was so paranoid about not doing that, when I talked to my friends, I was the conversation went, look, Nat, I have to tell you about something. I totally get it if you don't want it. I just, I don't want you to say to me, in a year, why didn't you tell me about this? Because it's, it, I could see it transforming people's health, this particular product. And 
I, how could I not pass that on, right? And so I was just, I made sure when I had the conversation that I took the pressure off and I didn't, you know, chase people up and sort of say, are you ready yet? Are you ready? Are you ready? I just refused to do any of that stuff because I figured now they know about it. They are not going to forget that. Their brain is big enough to remember that when they, if they decide at some point they want to improve their health and they certainly know where to find me, they'll come find me. And that's, so that's really how it went down. So I actually Googled just before this interview on, you know, what is network marketing to see what the internet would give me and it, it another term for pyramid selling. And (sighs) as I was sitting in your hotel lobby waiting to come up here, um, I hear the valet start talking about that pyramid scheme. So could you actually share what network marketing is? Yeah. And then I would like you to tell me, is it a pyramid scheme? Well, yeah. So I thought it was a pyramid scheme. I thought it was only done by pushy people who couldn't get real jobs. And I was like, I've got a university degree and I own my own business. I've owned a few businesses. Um, this is not, this is absolutely not for me. So it's not a pyramid scheme, firstly, because if you, well, pyramid schemes are illegal in this country. They're illegal in most countries. I actually don't know a country that they are legal in. So let's just, we're in Australia, so let's just say they are illegal. Um, what it is, what network marketing is, is actually, and I don't know that people understand this at all, is a leveraged distribution model. And we know that word of mouth referral is word of mouth is the fastest way to sell anything it all advertisers anyone who sells anything knows that and so what what these comp these network marketing companies do instead of paying for example nicole kidman three million dollars to do an advert for swiss multivitamins they say hey we're going to pay just mums and dads who use the word their word of mouth we're going to pay them to say thanks for the recommendation so when you realise that the money that the company was going to spend anyway to let people know about the product so people could buy it if they need it was going to be spent anyway, why would it not be a cool thing if it goes to mums and dads and families and ordinary people instead of going to the famous celebrities who probably already have more than their $3 million, right? <laughs> so would have you... or? I should say, what has been your biggest mental hurdle or just any hurdle in overcoming between being an entrepreneur in network marketing versus your traditional business? Because I imagine you have not gotten anywhere near the flack when you were a physio. Yeah, look, it's definitely the social esteem thing. and But I know that I gave it flack myself. So I get it when people give it flack because I did it myself. And it was purely that I didn't understand what it was. And once... I'm, again, just fortunate that I have been in in a few traditional businesses and that kind of gave me, a, I think, a head start because I'm able to contrast all the things about traditional business and all the things about this leverage distribution model, network marketing, um, direct selling, like whatever you want to call it, and see why it's so much... I don't even, I don't want to say it's so much better. I don't want to say it's better. It's just allows more people to get into business because there's, it's low risk to start. It's you, 
there's lots and lots of support. You don't have to go and pay someone $26,000 for 12 hours of their time to learn stuff, which is what I, you know, what I did in property. You don't have to invest, you don't have to save up 200 grand like I did to start my physiotherapy practice and you don't have to employ eight staff and you don't have to be stuck to a geographical location where rent is just a huge consistent overhead like though the overheads in traditional business are relentless they are they are coming down on you every single week whether you have customers coming in the door or not like boohoo for you if not enough people walk through the door this week whereas in this business model if you don't go find some customers this week it's not going to punish you because there aren't those relentless hard costs and overheads that traditional business have and one of the other things I f- really love about it is that to, for me to start my physio practice, I had to give up my job. Whereas with a network marketing business, people can start it in part-time hours. It really is can be done on the side until it gets to the point where they're earning enough and they can they might want to give up their job or they never have to give up their job. And if most people were honest and they added up how much money they saved last year and they multiplied it by how many years they've got left to work before they retire and they divided it by how many years they're going to live in their retirement, they would realise, they would probably have a bit of a holy shit moment and realise, you've heard me say this before now, I know, they would realise that their retirement is going to look like a caravan and half a sausage for dinner every night. And that, that is actually people, but people have their head buried in the sand I get it I had my head buried in the sand too when I did that when I added that form you know when I worked out that formula I realized I was heading for a pretty dismal you know glory years those years that are supposed to be the best years of our life was not going to look so good so but some 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 network marketers though I think can just be really tacky as fuck And I do think that the industry can at times perpetuate this and there's a real obsession with making money. So was that you? Well, I absolutely agree with you. And there's so much tackiness and there's there's such a lack of education and skills training, which I think is what creates the tackiness. And there is a focus on money and celebration of money and talking about money and what did you want to well I was only going to say because I feel like listeners would have been listening to this whole conversation and we're talking about money quite a bit and then so they're like well you you keep telling me to make money do this business to make money so I would just like to ask in terms of could you balance out that so everyone could understand because I know you so I know what you're saying but can you balance it out so they understand what you mean by do this to make money, but there's a certain way you can do this? Yeah. So again, it really comes back to living always in every minute of every day in alignment with our values. And under, first of all, I think figuring out what are our values and then if we don't live in, like, let's say one of our values is honesty. And then we tell a little lie over here in a conversation. We can't feel good about ourselves, right? That's going to plummet our self-esteem. So every time we step outside of our values, it's going to damage our self-esteem. And then we've got to work to build up. It's like it's like destroying our trust with ourselves. And why would we do that? But that's how 
people are. And then this, I think this money thing, again, it's a perception that, that we need money because it gives us more status and power in society or something like that. But that's not, that's the old way. That's the old way of thinking. I don't even know if, I actually don't know if that actually is how a reality around money or if it's just how we were taught to think about money. In terms of you think that we all now believe that if you have more money, you have more power. I mean, but I think, Jen, if you look at society, if you do have more money, you do have more power and you do have more and status. Maybe there's fear in that, right? Because if you have more power, then let's hope like heck you make good decisions with that power. So on that note, when the misconceptions of the business, I think that's really relevant to all women at all times, whether going through any kind of judgment. And so for you, how did you get through those personal judgments? Because I think that's just a universal lesson. Well, I don't talk about the money. I don't, I've never flashed on Facebook how much I earn. I've never, in private conversations, I might talk about, you know, what's possible because what's possible is a lot more than I ever thought, imagined it would be in, you know, this type of industry that I thought I was too good for. Uh, but it's really about what do we do with the money and are we, how are we making a difference in the world? And is that in alignment with our values? Money goes wrong when we use it to step outside of our values or our, what I call our values zone and money feels really good and and can be used for good and seen as good when we're using it within our values and living in alignment with our values without and using money to do that i mean really money just enables us it's it's just interesting i think it goes back to all those those memes and messages that we just get bombarded with from such an early age that money is going to give people as you said before now more power more status and does that give certain people more control? Does that give people control over other people? And no one wants to think that that's going to happen, right? I think it's also just when you start to become enabled in terms of being able to see other opportunities, you do start to think differently. But for the, for the average person, money is a real struggle. And I mean, even in Australia, I think the average wage is $60,000 a year. And yeah. And Australia is expensive to live yep. in. And so here we are having this conversation being like, make more money. It's so easy. And I feel like a lot of women might listen to this and just be like, but how? It's really fucking tough. I'm struggling here and I can't even keep my head above water, let mm. alone start to dream about yep. these other worlds. And it's not, it, it isn't easy to make more money, but it is worth the work. And that's something that I will say even from the short I knew you had an amazing work ethic, but I think if you add up the little segues at the beginning of your story that you shared around, you know, even the score you get in high school starts to show your work ethic and then your dad's always reinstilling your work ethic and then you had your own business. And so I think what people should always look at is, am I working hard enough for the dreams I have? At least that's what I've started to learn when I'm not achieving the goals I'm, you know, that I've set for myself. And then I'm like, well, am I doing the work to actually get there or am I just really dreaming and wishing and hoping? Well, the believe is the big word there now, isn't it? Because do I really believe that even if I work my butt off, even if I put in 12, 14 hour days, do I really believe that that will get me to my dreams? Because I think if people really truly believed it, they would do the work. But the problem is they don't believe it. 
I feel like this is turning into a big network marketing pitch. Please also realize that I don't believe every person should be a network marketer. Um, So I do want to, though, before we just move on from this, I want to talk about a new project that you've taken on, which is Redefine. And I'd love if you could actually share with the listeners what a, a bit more about what this is and most importantly, why you actually began it. Yeah, so I created a movement. I've created what I hope will be a movement called Redefining Network Marketing. And the reason I have done that is because I had a pretty good landing into network marketing. Like if I look back over the last seven years and I think, wow, I landed, I just happened to land into with a great product in a great company with a great, what in network marketing they call it, is there's lingo in every industry, right? So they call it an upline. That's the people who support you. And so I just have this great upline, the corporate, the the companies. I feel like I didn't really fully answer the pyramid thing properly before, but there's in with these these types of businesses, there's actually like real, you know, in Sydney, big offices, lots of employees. Like it's not how pyramid schemes don't have any of that stuff like it's real tangible stuff there's big warehouses full of products that actually go to people I remember my mom when I first started using the products and I wanted her to to try them and I was making her up one of the products that we use and she's like oh love I just want you to know I had a bit of a google last night and I think this I think this is a scam I'm really sorry to tell you this and I'm like mom I paid 55 dollars for this canister here and there's 14 mils in it and it's sitting right in front of us like how is that different from buying a dress online i don't understand what 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 you're saying here i I think though when it comes to this industry a lot of people just they like to piss all over it because they don't understand it and it's fine i think that there have been either people who have done it really poorly or i think that there have actually been legitimate pyramid schemes and so it becomes an easy thing to latch on to 100 percent. so yeah there's a difference so a pyramid scheme is where there's no product yeah it's money making for clarity's sake it's it's i give you my money but you don't give me actually anything for giving that's a pyramid scheme and that yeah they go on and they get shut down and people go to jail for not for participating blindly but for being the organizer or the person who sets up those sort of things so that is that is definitely real but I've now I've totally gone off on a tangent. We were and just talking about the redefine and now what you're doing oh yeah, for this so industry. That, yeah. And so because of the misconception about what the industry is and so coming into the industry, even though I landed even though I landed in this great space, um, with a great great support and from corporate I had great the corporate team I had great support as well. And I had a lot of skills, business skills that transferred into this so I kind of was good at it straight away. I could see, even even with my beautiful journey, that I, I could see exactly where the ick comes from. I could see why people see it and want to run the other way and don't want any, and they're so close to it. And I can't help but feel so sad because it's completely changed my life. So, you know, the the amount of freedom that we have and the ability to live an incredible, amazing life could be for any woman who wanted it. And I'm just have a thing about helping women. And in this industry, it's 76% women. So I wanted to create something 
steps whereby having real conversations, speaking the truth always about what it is, what it takes, and educating women and up-leveling skills that more women might say yes to it because it it's no if we can elevate it, it it's no longer one of those icky things that people want to run away from it become what if it could become a respected profession what if we became so good at how we how we do it how we sell things instead of being horrific at selling and making people feel pushed and annoyed and all of that but stuff but don't we just share yeah, well, that's another problem, right? This this denial, because most people, when you talk to them, me included, like we don't, we're like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to be a salesperson. Because what do we think of when we think of sales? We think of car salesmen and real estate or network marketers. And who wants? No one wants to be a salesperson. But we're all salespeople. We we're all selling stuff all the time. We walk in. I like buying, don't you, Nat? Like. Yeah, I like buying the things I like buying. Yeah. So someone sold us whatever we bought, whether it was an apple or a dress or whatever, that we need people to sell to us. Otherwise, we can't buy stuff. And that's what makes the world go round. So so redefining really is about getting rid of the ick, elevating the profession, making it become respected. Because imagine if every family in Australia or the world had a second income stream and it could take the pressure off financially, even if it was $100 a week, $500 a week, 5000 whatever people want it to be, it would take the pressure off and there would be less fighting about money, there would be less divorce, there would be less stress, there would be less poor health due to stress. So what's different in how Redefine is doing it versus how you see other parts of the industry doing it to really create that distinction? Yeah, so most of the education in network marketing is provided either at a company level and it's quite basic because pretty much when companies have events, the majority of the room is brand new. So it has to be like kind of grade one all over and over and over again. So it's either that or... Or it's a one, what I call a one-to-many delivery model, which would be like me saying, I'm a guru, you should come and buy my course, I know how to do it, and then a thousand people might buy my course. So that's a one-to-me, me just being one, delivering to many. What I wanted to create is a many-to-many delivery model because I don't believe that one person ever has whatever, what every person needs. And so what I've done is pulled together a whole bunch of mentors from within the industry. So women who've had incredible success, who are currently active, doing, building, you know, working in their businesses right now, not like 25 years ago. And I also wanted to bring in, if we're going to elevate the industry, I wanted to bring in women who are experts and who have real skills in other areas like marketing, like business, like finance. Because if we can upskill in all of those areas as well, then we just we become incredible business women and that's how we elevate the standard. So then hopefully more women will say, yes, why would I not want, you know, to earn half a million dollars a year in that type of business as well as what I do. Um, and on that note, when it comes to women and mentorship and all the rest of it, do you think that women who have been successful in their respective careers, regardless of career, have a sort of moral obligation to provide mentorship to other women? I think, well, that's an interesting question. 
you know, I don't know that moral obligation ever works because I think when we feel obligated to do anything, it just doesn't come, it doesn't land. So there will always be people who want to give back, who want to contribute, and they're probably the ones who should be doing it because, you know, you know yourself, right? If you feel obligated, it doesn't come out so good. (laughs) So why for you are you so passionate about women bettering their lives? Because I had the opportunity to better mine. And I think every day about how different my life was, how stressful it was, how hard I worked and, and went nowhere, how money impacted, lack of money impacted every decision that we made, how there was not an emergency fund for a rainy day emergency. You know, when our first baby was born, he um, didn't breathe and he had to be intubated and ventilated and spent two weeks in neonatal intensive care. And, you know, we didn't, how do you just throw... we didn't have enough money to just not work for two weeks while we sat with him at the hospital. You know, so, and most people don't. I didn't know that. But, you know, so, but we should. Why yeah. should money prevent us from sitting at the hospital with someone we love when they most need us? I didn't actually know that, but it, I think that that is always the most relevant thing around money. It's allowing you in those moments to always be there and not feel so dependent upon being in another place. Um, but on mentorship, what advice do you have for women if their bosses or managers or leaders isn't a mentor? That there are mentors everywhere. So a mentor, it might not be the, a mentor at work. It might be a mentor outside of work. It might be someone whose values, whose integrity you respect, whose work ethic you respect, who it might be someone who's earning more than you, which would indicate maybe they think a bit differently than you. I mean, I mean, this is the other problem, right? There are people in every industry who earn a lot of money and they got there by stepping on other people. And that happens in network marketing too. And so let's not say that all of the same stuff doesn't happen here. It does happen in this business. And I think that's what people hate about money as well is they see there's often evidence of fraud or, uh, you know, because it's on the news. Well, the, the, the news only tells us the bad stuff. The news doesn't often say, oh, so-and-so donated this amount of money to this charity that we don't well, hear No, they do. Things. Or then they say, but it's just a tax write-off. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, exactly, and downplay it. Or people think, oh, well, they gave that amount of money, but they earn so much, they can afford to. And But we hear all the bad stuff on the news about where people did horrible things for because they were greedy or wanted, you know, wanted to get ahead or wanted to climb a ladder. And, yeah, so that happens everywhere. So if you could – what is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your former self to focus on when you were growing your businesses? Any of them. I think it's more just the lesson in general. That I don't, I don't even know that I would change anything. I wish I knew for sure that I would end up where I am. I wish I knew for sure that the, all the hard work would pay off. So did you have moments of self-doubt? Uh-huh, all the time. And that it's quite torturous. And everyone's doubting. Everyone will doubt, doubted me. Everyone will doubt you. Everyone will doubt any woman who has a big dream and says she's going for it. 
along the way and because it's not like a, a beautiful linear rise is it so it's like oh shit that didn't work just lost a million dollars trying that out and then everyone's at you like why can't you just be happy the way you are why do you have to want so much you know if, we, if you didn't if you didn't do this we wouldn't have lost all that and so you have to it's such it's such a lonely journey holding the faith just and you you have nothing other than to believe that the hard work is going to pay off you have nothing else to hold on to other than that belief and of course yeah there's the voice that's doubting all the time your own plus all the others so how did you get through it so I just I didn't have a choice because I kept saying if not this then what if not this then what and I kept going back to the reality of if not this, if not making a business work that was able to bring more money into my life than a job with a wage or my like my physio practice was a great business, but it was still capped at about 200K a year after expenses and stuff. Then I would have to, if, if not what are this, then I would have to go back to pressing on backs and necks all day and knowing that that was never going to get the farm for my mum and dad. And so that just it's that's what then propels every decision to take some more action, to take some more action, to do some more learning, to take some more action until finally it starts to work. And then it's like it's kind of like a shock. It's like this actually is working. But it's not even it's it's I really believe that there's 10 years of learning and lessons that have to be done of having a go and failing that have to be done before it comes. So I was fortunate that I probably had eight years of that under my belt before I started in, in, in the industry of network marketing. And so some people haven't. This is their first look at that maybe something else is, is possible and they haven't even really thought outside the box before. So they're starting their 10 years. And yeah, so my former self, I would just, I would know that the hard work, know for sure that the hard work would get me there. The hard, consistent work. That's That would have made it so much easier. But then maybe, maybe that would have taken away a lot of the learnings and a lot of the lessons if, if, you know, if you know, like it wouldn't be so hard. So I think it needs to be hard. Yeah. It's like, you're so scared of failing that you're just like, I'll just keep going. I'll just keep trying. I'll just keep trying to do my best. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, there's only so many hours in the day and you're going to be working one way or another. So why not just work a little bit differently at spend some of those hours working a little bit differently. My dad, another thing my dad taught me is you can always, you can always go back, give it a go. Because you can always go back, can't you? And well, I think that's relevant to everything in life. Like, why not just try? Yeah. Because I could always go back to being a physio. Now, I could go back to being a physio if I wanted to. So, what have, what have you really got to lose? So, that's really great because I want to move into motherhood. Because I feel like it's a really important part of, I mean, I think any mother's life. But especially with yours and how you so... Um, you speak about your kids all the time, you know? And so what do you believe is the reason that you have been able to be successful as a mom, be successful as an entrepreneur, because everyone is chasing this elusive idea of how do I balance having it all? Oh, yeah. Well, first thing I want to say is I don't know that I am successful as a mom. My bank account probably suggests that I'm successful as an entrepreneur, 
But, you know, mother, again, every moment is you're just doubting what what did I just say? How did that land? Is that going to scar them forever? You know, what? But, and, and that's the thing. I think that when I, when, like when I talk about my parents and the lessons, parents either teach us what to do or what not to do. And knowing that and knowing that they are just doing the best that they can with what they have, that, which is an absolute truth for me. Every single parent, even if they do something that seems horrific, is actually the best that they could do in that moment with what they had. Yeah, and so I remember that. I, re- I know that because I love them so much. Of course I do. I'm their mom. I'm just doing the best that I can at this point in time. I actually wasn't going to ask this, but you just – do your kids realize what they have? Because I, so this is something, uh, if you go back to your story that you didn't have a lot, so you work so hard. And I think a lot of people who then do have affluence and wealth, they're then nervous that their kids are going to be brats. Mm, Yeah, totally. So, I mean, your children really have a wonderful life. How do you balance that for them? Yeah. So we worry, we do worry about that. And this is, these are the conversations I have with my girlfriends who earn a fair bit of money. It's and we got, we were always told, no, we can't afford that. No, we, it's so easy to say, no, we can't afford that. And we actually can't, that's a lie. So when I have to I can't use that line. So then what do I say about why they can't have everything that they want? Because of course, every time we go near a shop, they want to buy all the plastic crap in the shop, they want a new toy, they want, want, want. And so just, it's just a little bit of a deeper conversation about well, why do you, do you need that? What will that bring you? And trying to teach them the value of money. So <laughs> this is probably going to sound really weird, but I, we have a couple of puppies on the farm. And so my son gets a set, he doesn't even like, it's a, it's not even an actual physical exchange, but we have this thing where every, for every dog poo that he picks up and with the shovel and chucks over the fence, he earns some money. And th- we talk about things in terms of dog poo. So, uh, so I'm like, so yeah, you want to download that game, right? That's going to be 15 dog poos. Do you think it's worth it? And he's able to make the decision about whether that game is worth 15 dog poos. I remember when I started working in a cafe and being paid $20 an hour and I would then go out and be like, is that worth an hour of my work? And I just was like, wow, it was such a wake up call for the, just the relevance of money in translating it to something you're after. It's just because it's, it's a bit of a stinky job and, and there has to be a way for them to measure the thing that they want against the thing it's going to take to get it because that's real life. And so, so, yeah. And, you know, I think in terms of motherhood and work and stuff, like I see, um, like I even have people say, oh my gosh, I'm trying, I'm working so hard, I'm doing all this stuff and it's all for my kids but then I feel guilty because I'm not even, I'm I'm having to say no to my kids, I can't go to their sports day because I have to work and because my business needs me and, you know, I say to them, like really, do you think that the healthiest thing for our kids is to have mummy and daddy hovering over them, being at every single thing all the time. Does that get you some pushback with some of your friends? Um, not really. They, I don't, no, not really. I think it just, they kind of go, oh yeah, like it's good for them to have to 
learn to be independent. It's good for them to know. It's good for them to know that mummy had to work because they're sure as heck going to have to work. So they they need to know it's this. This is real life. Work comes first. But what's really cool, and I think this is one of the one. It's one of the things that I'm so grateful for about myself is I actually I don't have I have a good relationship with the word work. And with the work itself, I actually enjoy the work. I've always enjoyed the work. Even when mum and dad used to pay us 50 cents an hour to chip weeds out of the rows of peanuts. And we'd spend six weeks out in the hot sun at Christmas walking up and down with hose to save 50 cents an hour. And I think that, and again, it's just kind of reminding me now, but mum and dad started, started me thinking entrepreneurially way back then because I'd save up all my 50 cents till I got to $100 and dad would take me to the cattle sale. I'd be able to buy a calf that was just weaned and then I'd, it would grow up and I'd sell it and buy three more. And then so by the time I went to university, I had 18 cows Jesus. to sell to pay my way through university. So it's just all that that time money lessons going on right from an early age in a in a really simple way. Yeah, but yeah, and so it's it's just funny, like more is not necessarily better with parenting. Um, So most people always say, most people always say that they're sacrificing. So, you know, I have a lot of mothers that I always speak to. We've just had people walk into the room for all those back and around noises you can hear. Um, So did you feel like you ever had to sacrifice either work for your children or children for your work? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm here at an event this weekend. I'm away from my kids for four days. But do you feel guilty? I don't. I don't think I feel guilty as much as I actually just love being with them. And but I know that it's good for them. I know that it's good for them to be without without me and Jono for four days because I know that they're going to develop some resilience. They're going to feel like they can cope in the world without us. I know that they're loved and they're cared for. I know that they're developing further their relationship with their nan and pa so there's there's so many positives and when I think about the positives versus the fact that we're apart for four days we go home and it's just they're happy to see us again because they were probably getting a bit sick of us and less tolerant you know we're all listening to each other we're appreciating each other more for having some space apart so so no I just I don't I don't know that a world exists where we humans live in each other's pockets and they don't have to go their separate ways for eight to 12 hours a day to work. Yeah. It's such an interesting conversation that I feel women are having more and more these days about like wanting to be present a hundred percent of the time. When I think back and my mum wasn't a hundred percent of the time because she had to work. My dad would work a lot. And I just think now I'm like, but I also just developed myself. Well, do you feel scarred because of it? No, like I do feel that there were times where I wish I could have had more time with my father or with my mother. You can hear it in my voice now. Um, but I think that it's it's one of those things that I had to learn through and it made me then determined to have the dreams I have. So I think that there's always a way to look at it. And I think that's more the key piece. Like I can always look at the closed door or I could look at, okay, well, this is happening. So what what am I learning? What am I being taught that will better serve me? What's the better story to tell myself? Um, Yeah, because I don't understand helicopter parenting, but 
I don't want to touch on it because I'm not a mother. So who knows how I would ever be if I had children. I think it's the most important thing really is conscious parenting, isn't it? Instead of just unconsciously being on autopilot is all we can do is do our best at, co- at being conscious. And that means considering the pros and cons in every situation and the tr- knowing that there are pros and cons in every decision we make and everything we do with our kids. Uh, I really believe that children growing up and having resilience is super important, but I also know that I'm super chuffed that my dad worked his face off to get us to Australia. Well, my grandfather did, but you know, to get us to Australia, he came from Croatia, came from literally a tiny village. The life I've had is much better than the life I could have had back then. Is there any challenges that you actually are really grateful that your children won't have to go through? Well, I mean, mine are going to be fortunate enough. Sorry Sorry about the noise. Mine are going to be fortunate enough not, not to have to work if they don't want to, but I actually don't look at that as fortune because humans without purpose, it, you know, people say things like, if you had all the time and money in the world, what would you do? And people, their, their go-to answer is lie, lie on the beach and drink cocktails. But I, I actually, I know myself, I could probably do that for half a day, a day at the outside. Some people might get to four days and then it's like, okay, and if, we, we just need purpose. We need a reason for being. And we see people deteriorate really fast when for one reason or another, they lose their purpose. So if people have a work injury and they're out of the workplace, we see things go down really fast for them. When people retire, I mean, that's why they build the men's shed, right? Because men just get lost when they retire. So they feel empty. They don't have a purpose. So they're all, I mean... Kids, yeah, I would always want, I would want for them to have a purpose. Could they go work for a sea shepherd, like, and not need any money? Yeah, if that fulfilled them, because, they, you know, because our business will supply them with the money that they need. Uh, we'll pass it on to them, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I guess they could, but do they really feel like that? I think that would be maybe missing their sense, their personal sense of achievement, then their personal sense of I may I I managed to look after myself in this world, and I I would love for them to be able to feel that they managed to look at not only look after themselves, but they managed to create enough to have enough left over to do good in the world and to make the world a better place, and to leave the world a better place than when they found it. And just very specifically when it comes to your daughter, because I mean, this podcast is for women and I think that men, boys, girls, women, they have very different experiences, very different upbringings. Is there anything specifically that you would love to reinforce for her that either you, that maybe perhaps you weren't shown by your mother? Oh yeah. Just that she can absolutely do, be, have anything that she wants to. And just to start at a very early age, knowing that, that's what I want for her. So that she's not, you know, like, so I have always been fascinated, completely loved horses. But because of no money, there was no way that I was ever going to be able to explore a career in horse riding or to even have lessons or even have mum and dad afford. Like we had borrowed ponies 
from neighbours who were so generous to give them to us. But so there was so many, maybe, maybe that was my soul's purpose, but it was never going to be possible because of lack of money. And so I want her to know that anything is actually possible or she can create all the money that she needs to do whatever she wants and knowing that from young enough because everything takes everything takes time in term and repetition in terms of skill development so some things really do need to be started but do you ever see with um like your your son versus your daughter that there's just little inherent characteristics that are different and sometimes he'll uh, what's the word I'm looking for here that he just naturally will believe in himself in certain aspects where she won't, she'll question herself or do you not see any yeah. absolute difference in, in their genders? It's Yeah, it's so interesting because they're, they're – so they're just, they're just totally different personalities. So he's actually really shy and reserved and questions himself a lot and he's always worrying what other kids are thinking or that he doesn't have a friend and, and she's just like – she's just out there in the world and she walks into the room and fills the space and she doesn't care what anyone thinks and it doesn't even occur to her to – worry what someone thinks so yeah and I think it's nothing to do with gender I think it's just totally different personalities sort of that that they have and she's so she loves cracking a joke and she cracks herself up all the time and you know all all of those sort of things but I was just thinking of something else that I really wanted her to know and it's just lost me right this minute I'll come back I'll think of it I was just about to get to my okay oh yeah I wanted to know that what other people think doesn't matter. Is that because you've had to get better at becoming okay with people's opinions? Yeah, it's the thing. I, the thing that I worry about most is even now being criticised. Yeah, and I, I realised only just um, at a at a personal development course I did maybe six months ago. I my mum and dad are really critical. Like they criticise everything and everyone, and so even if they're not. And no, no one ever to their face, <laughs> like, right? So you hear all the conversations and they're like, no one's ever good enough or done the right thing or anything. And same deal like for my brother and I, and that, that's just them. That's, that's how, that's all they know. And I get that. And I, and I've, so I, I've only recently learned that that's how they operate in the world. That's their frame of reference. They need to take a critical angle it probably creates some security and some comfort for them it's I should not take that personally and so I have always found criticism I've always avoided uh standing out or shining or being you know having a voice because I didn't want any more criticism because I feel like I've been criticized a lot and yeah so recently I realized when people criticize it's not it's not really about me if they want to criticize me it's how they it's how they show up in their world and they would do that for everyone so how did you deal with that like i mean i think anyone would have listened to this whole conversation and gone but you have shone you have achieved such amazing things people must have criticized you so how did you get through that well i've i've gone about it in as quiet a way as i possibly could so i've tried to avoid you know being up in lights and making a big deal out of myself, I guess. And, um, but I know that if I want to help more women that I need to have a louder voice and I need to, uh, allow 
more women to see who I am because I believe if they could see who I really am, then they would say I can too. And on that note, uh, where can everyone find you? Ah, oh, well, I guess on Facebook. Yep. So yeah, on um, either on Facebook, Jennifer Schultz, or we have a Facebook page called Redefining Network Marketing. So we can be found there as well, or our website, redefiningnetworkmarketing.com. Yeah. Amazing. And my final question is, you're standing in front of a room of 10,000 women and you're able to offer one piece of advice. What would you say? That I want you to know with every cell of your being that if you believe you can, then you can. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you for joining me. And I have no doubt that the countless women who already admire you and see you for who you are will listen back to this and hopefully believe in themselves just that little bit more. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Modern Women. You can listen to all of our episodes over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. If you're not already subscribed, please do click that subscribe button now so you don't miss any episodes that come out each week. If you enjoyed this podcast or you took something away from it, taking two minutes to leave a five-star review or post a story review on Instagram and tag me in it so that we can continue to share these incredible stories with more women who need to hear this message. Original music by Chunky Love and produced by Podpaste. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.